good internet. It's the Harvest, the Colin Atrophy, and I am very happy to welcome you to episode 32 of Life Harvester Radio. Um, please rate, review, subscribe. Give me five stars. Give me a good uh, thing in iTunes, in Stitcher, in all of them. Okay, I need that. I need these analytics. All right, give me the analytics. Um, this month's guest is Ali Donahue of a bunch of bands that we talk about. Um, including Fleabite, including Waxahachie, including Potty Mouth, including Perfect Pussy. Um, also, I bleeped the F word, the bad F word, not fuck, um, that I said, not Allie, in telling a story. It was said to me. Uh, you'll see. But I bleeped it. I don't know. I didn't like hearing it. Um, and I didn't think you'd like hearing it, so I, I just cut it. Um, also, Allie's roommates all came home while I was doing the interview, and then I stopped to small talk them and just kept the tape rolling, so I cut that stuff. And I just cut back into me and Allie talking to Allie's roommate, Chelsea's dog, Scout, who is pictured in the episode thumbnail. Um, real cute dog. And yeah, that's it. This is a good one. Allie is great. Allie's really funny. Allie's from Jersey. We talk about that. Allie is a gay icon. Uh, perfect shredder who didn't start playing guitar till like she was in her 20s, which is way later in life than some people think you can start doing something to be an expert at it but here she is doing it and i don't know listen to the interview it's cool okay Yeah, so you're from Jersey? I'm from Jersey originally. From North Jersey? Yeah, from, yeah, North Central Jersey. People say there is no Central Jersey, but I'm from I'm from it, so I can say it exists. Yeah, that's contested territory. That's yeah. like, uh, like a, yeah, like a controversial regional definition. My mom has like taken to going on Etsy and buying cutesy things for holidays and stuff. Like I have a tea towel that's like, like, Yes, I'm from Central Jersey. Yes, it exists. And then has like Jersey with a heart in the middle of it or something. Or also like I have this mug that I like that she got me. That's like ain't nothing finer than a Jersey diner. <laughs> it just oh, says yeah. that. So all the good saying. So yes, I'm from New Jersey. When I was like 13, 14, I screen printed two t-shirt designs that I made. Like I wasn't in a band. I didn't have a zine yet. But like I knew I wanted to participate in punk and I sold them at shows and one of them oh no I did have a zine because they both had my zine name underneath one of them um, just said I killed Kurt Cobain which I thought was like a very punk um, uh, sentiment and I did uh, have like a, a super funny bullying incident in when, my first year of high school where I was wearing my I killed Kurt Cobain shirt and this like literal varsity quarterback uh, was like, you got to turn your shirt inside out. And I was like, N what are you talking about? And then he picked me up by my collar and like shoved me against a wall and was like, I love Kurt Cobain, you f And I was just like, and I laughed so hard because it, the lack of nuance yes, <laughs> and understanding of the like circumstances of this the life of this person he ostensibly, this guy was professing to ostensibly love was so absurd to me. And I was just like, I just started cracking up. And it was like this, it's when I learned that acting crazy can stop you from getting beat up. Because yeah. he was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's funny about this? You're supposed to be scared. Um, and then later he was like, can you teach me how to play about a girl on an acoustic guitar? And I was like, ew, fuck you. Um, but the first, the other shirt was a, um, and I'm not, I'm from Westchester County, New York. Uh, it's important to note, um, the other shirt, it's also important to note that I was 14. Um, Very important. was a silhouette of the state of New Jersey. And it said, um, kiss your girlfriend where it smells, take her to New Jersey. That's a good one. I like that. And the only person that ever bought one was Greg from The Bouncing Soul. The singer of The Bouncing Souls <laughs> bought one from me. But otherwise, like, no one... People were just like, ooh. 
I like it. I think no. it's funny. Fourteen for I think fourteen year old humor. That's like pretty advanced. Looking back, I think it's funny too. But it's like all like, obviously it's a bit unfortunate. But it's like whatever. Like I, I was fourteen. I'm not gonna beat myself up over a like vaguely fucked up cunnilingus joke I made. You know? Yeah. Um, or slash like Jersey is is stinky. Yeah, I mean it is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for the most part, yeah. But yeah, Central Jersey. You have a bunch of merch. Central Jersey. Yeah. Um, and what's your family like? Like, what was the... My family. I've my... heard a lot of impressions of your mom. Yes, my mom is very Jersey. Her side of the family is very Jersey. Well, all my family is, is from New Jersey. Uh, it's a very, like, typical Jersey story. Yeah. Um, Irish on one side, Italian on the other. I was just going to ask Jewish, Italian, or Irish. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was the Roman Catholic kind of Jersey cocktail, so... Yeah, my my family on my mom's side is like pretty much all Italian. My family on my dad's side is pretty much all Irish, except for you know then the mixing of their generation. Things got wild in the eighties, and none of that yeah, yeah, mattered. Yeah. yeah, but they both kind of came from um, either immigrant. My mom's family um, were from Italy, and then my dad's family were like you know second generation. So um, yeah, so most of my family lives in New Jersey still. Um, I, I have a younger sister. She lives with my folks. She's studying teaching. Um, my mom like talks like this and, and she's great, uh, Nina. And then my dad is um, also great. He's very chill. Um, he's a lawyer and he's a Libra. So I feel like it just, he is yeah. He is what he is, you know? Yeah, balancing the scales. He's, he's balanced and chill. He, he keeps, he he's a great guy. Um, you know, and also like growing up in a house mostly full of women was like fun, but also kind of crazed. And I appreciate sure. the balance that my my dad brings to the sitch. Yeah. Um, was there like was music part of your life as a kid? Like, were you into music from a young age, or like were your folks into music? Yeah, my parents have always been into music. Um, my my mom and dad had this friend um, Brian Duff, who is still their friend. Um, He's incredible. He never learned to drive, but he was always back when they were in college. They went to a school in South Orange, New Jersey, and um, their friend Brian would take the train in and go to CBGBs and then come back and be like, hey, I saw this band. They blew my mind. The Ramones. You got to check them out. And and Blondie and stuff and all those bands and like Ian Drury and the Blockheads and and stuff that like maybe, you know, my parents weren't like in that scene, but they had like a friend who was like clued in and would come back to Jersey and let them know. So my parents always had like a really good like CD and tape and record collection that I grew up listening to a lot of, you know, Simon, Simon and Garfunkel and my, you know, my dad at one point told me I was named after um, the Elvis Costello song, Allison. So, um, yeah, music was always a part of my life. And like whether it was my mom's 10,000 Maniacs kind of vibe or my dad being like, I saw Neil Young and Crazy Horse back at Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, music was always like revered a little bit. And in the Jersey way, too, I feel like, you know, classic rock is a way of life there. Mm-hmm. a way of dad life um but yeah when i first started getting into like my own sort of taste of music was probably like around middle school stuff um the i'm i'm from the suburbs in new jersey and many people can attest to how the um how the ska scene is very ubiquitous in in suburban new jersey and um and that was sort of like my in to to diy and yeah. shows was was um, playing ska shows, booking ska shows, going to ska and punk shows, um, and yeah. Whoa. Yeah, ska. What years are we talking? Okay, so I'm 29, uh-huh. um, and this must have been, I remember like first, you know, there were like shows happening in the first Unitarian church in my hometown, um, and there's also shows here in Philadelphia at the first Unitarian church here. Um, I saw the Murder City see. Devils at that church in 2000. Yeah. The summer of 2000. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was probably like 2000, 2003, probably. Cool. I was like yeah. 13. That's probably when I started to like really identify as like a music fan. I kind of remember being in like fifth and sixth grade and liking like Blink 182 and Weezer and mm-hmm. then sort of like realizing that there was more than that. Like there was like music, capital M, and then right. there was like music happening in basements and like church spaces and, and 
shows that were it was great as a kid to be able to go to these like you know sober spaces or whatever and just be able to dance or see people like dressing different talking about different things like outside of you know stuff like that um but my high school also had like a program where sometimes there was like a program called project 79 for people who wanted to do like alternative who the regular class didn't like work out for them um and they would have like folk punk artists come and stuff like that and yeah so i was i was lucky even though i was in the suburbs i was like pretty close to new york and um was able to go to some like local shows um and then i remember when i was 14 this like really sticks out there was yeah. some festival happening in new york the strokes were playing i was 14 and in new jersey i was obsessed with the strokes and I remember my mom didn't let me go um, to the show with my friend and I never let her live it down. And after that, she I think she realized she's like, I got to let Allie go to her music shows or she's going to revolt. You know, yeah, I was like, I'm a depressed teen. I need this. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like the pressure valve. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and like for her to realize that is is like the way that if you were able to leverage the kind of little bit of social power that you have within a family dynamic to be like if you don't let me do these things, it will be so much worse. Yes. You know, that's, uh, that's like really adept. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's good. It's lucky that she was a, like lucky for you and for her that she was able to notice that it seems like you have a good relationship with her. We still. do. Yeah. We yeah. have a good relation for sure. So you played in, what was your first band? So my first band was called the executives and I played saxophone. I mean, my first like band was like school band, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. School band. Uh, playing the saxophone, root tootin'. Um, but I really got into saxophone because I really was drawn to jazz music. And then I was playing in the jazz band and that was really fun. And then kind of by ways of that, as like a social extension, just one thing turned to another. And then I was in a ska band called The Executives. And I was also later in a acoustic ska band called The Night Doctors. So been saxing for a while. Sax I think in terms of like, I'm 36, so um, that's like maybe one and a half to two punk generations. How long is a punk generation? I know, maybe really seven know. years. Seven, maybe I'm one punk yeah. generation above. Dog years. Above yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punk generations and dog years. Let's just say that they're the same because I like that. Yeah, it feels um, right. But uh, I liked I liked Scott too when I was young, like 13, 14. That was like my thing really into it there was like i would go to the moon ska store in the east village all the time and like went to see the toasters a lot and shit and i had this like i think because i got into and then fell out and, and like later when i was older i got into all the trojan records cool stuff but mm -hmm. like when i fell away from third wave ska i was still an adolescent and i think my conception was just that it ended when i stopped liking it right because i was a child and so i was like oh this i can't see this thing anymore so it disappeared so the fact that in 2003 there still was ska going on in the tri-state area is something I love to hear. But also this like blending of folk punk and ska that an acoustic ska band seems to imply, that's crazy to me. Oh yeah. That's nuts. It was crazy. I mean, we all, I mean, maybe we all didn't, but you know, when you're younger and figuring things out, I always like knew and was drawn to different things. Yeah. Um, and as I've gotten older, it's nice to be able to filter through the everything to find the things that I, I really want to explore. Um, right. But yeah, when I was younger, anything that just wasn't like nor mainstream culture i was like this is interesting and i'll check it out yeah and like there was definitely a time where i was like really into like the folk punk anthems about holding hands and riding bikes into the anarchy sunset but you know it, i felt i feel too like with scott something that i sort of outgrew but it's still part of my history but it's definitely i, I guess still part of people's presence you know? yeah 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 Present it's weird day to... experiences yeah becca my girlfriend who you know um is from Bloomington, Indiana, the cradle of folk punk. Oh, yes. And she was like, um, she's right in between us and age 33. Um, and she was like, you know, so she was like six or seven years younger than um, all the main proponents of folk punk. And she always talks about how she's like, uh, yeah, like I was part of this punk scene as a teen where like, 
All these people in their 20s were like intentionally infantilizing themselves and all I wanted was to get treated like a grown-up and it was fucking infuriating. You know, and there's that like, that element of I think ska and folk punk that's, less ska, that's about like, but like folk punk for sure that's about like being cute in, yeah. as a way to like uh, escape responsibility. Yes, yeah. Um, which I feel like is also like the like, critical discourse around tender queers that's happening on Twitter right now mm-hmm. maybe is similar about like it's a similar critique that's like uh, acting childish does not make you a child and like being uh, like small and wounded doesn't mean that you don't, aren't accountable for your actions yeah or whatever but that's a big ass tangent um, yeah or like a, a large digression the um, was the executives like a CEO themed band Sort of. So, like, our, um, well, in very ska fashion, the singer, Mike, would wear um, a suit, like a three-piece suit, mm-hmm. and um, ska band. Yeah. And um, I designed our first T-shirt, and I remember it was, like, a briefcase, like a clip art of, like, a briefcase with, like, a speech bubble coming out of it or like a thought bubble that just said the executives like in typewriter font and I was like I am an artist you know I was like using MS paint or whatever um, because this is like high school I don't even think I had knew what Photoshop was then Um, but yeah it was um, it was it was loosely executive themed but I don't even think we really thought about that we were just kind of like oh this sounds like a ska band name because everything was like you know, the toasters, the pie tasters, you know, the this, the that. So we were like, we're the executives. It sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. No, it sounds syllabically. That makes sense. Yes. Um, This is all in high school? This is all in in high school. Yeah. Early to to mid um, high school. I think by the time I was like a senior, I don't think I was like playing shows, ska shows. Um, But it was definitely like part of my early high school experience. What What did that segue into? That's a great question. I kind of like forget my latter suburban years. I think I was just like really, I was really ready to leave at that point. And at that point, my musical taste had shifted. You know, I still liked local Scott and punk, but I was also, you know, I remember like the week I graduated from high school, I remember seeing like Rilo Kylie at Terminal 5. Sure, sure, sure. Stuff like that and being like, I'm all, yeah, like I'm an adult. And meanwhile, I was like 18, like trying to chug hard liquor out of like a beanie which is not very adult um but you know you live you learn and yeah I and then I went to to college I went to Boston and I always knew I just like wanted to live in a big city um Uh and so I was like check and check so once I arrived I was like oh no what have I done I'm like excited I was studying a lot of things I was really interested in but I went to a big university and it was just any big population it's like they're mostly going to be like normal people and that's also where I learned the hard lesson that um appearance isn't always like a proper cultural like shared signifier you know yeah it was the first time I I encountered what um you know people like dressing cool but not having it mean anything like I was used to being from New Jersey and like a suburban culture where it's like okay well if you dress a little different like you are different and that's that's like that's that but then going to a big city where everyone you know there's urban outfitters there's like fashion trends that youth culture people just like grabbing onto and I was like oh I'm gonna have to find my people yeah not just by looking at them so I started I actually had friend from the ska scene that I was like hey um I know you live in Boston I just moved here um, what do you and your friends do? And lo and behold, he lived at like a punk house that was really close to my dormitory. And I just eventually, I'm pretty much immediately moving to Boston. I was like, okay, my social world is not going to be at my school. Like right. I'm going to study there and I'm going to learn and, and enrich myself. But my my social life is going to be elsewhere. And it was like started there um, in the Alston Massachusetts basement scene and just yeah, starting sure. to go to shows and that's when it kind of got into like I label my ages you know from 18 to 21 to be more like um <clears throat> it was like broy pop punk like beer drinking music yeah because that was what was like touring and coming through but then eventually as I started to get like 22 23 
I started playing music. I started playing um, non-ska music. I, I started. Right. I picked up a guitar. I was gonna ask. I yeah. I was like, kind of like I went through like a weird breakup. Um, well, actually, I'll tell the I'll tell the story as I tell it to other people. I went to a lady fest in Western Massachusetts when okay. I was twenty or twenty one. I think I was twenty. And I basically was like, I got back and I was like, I'm going to break up with this asshole dude I've been dating. I think I'm gay and I'm going to stop shaving my legs and I'm going to play guitar. And that's really all it took. It was like going out to Western Mass and like seeing some hot freaks. And I was yeah, like, yeah, for sure. I was like, yo, it doesn't have to be like this. Like, and yeah, at the time I was like, yeah, I don't need this guy. And then I just dumped his butt. And then a whole new thing started for me in um, Boston. I was like more involved in like the queer punk scene and, mm -hmm. and that's the scene that sort of embraced me and encouraged me to to play guitar. And my first band where I played guitar, Tomboy, it was very like, you know, kind of Riot Girl in the vein of Riot Girl. Like we're called we were called Tomboy. Like we were a lot of us were women who hadn't played in bands before like that. And so yeah. it was like fun and and raucous and then um yeah it was just it was great and that scene was great and then eventually a lot of my friends who i associate with um queer punk in boston like all moved to the pacific northwest mm -hmm. and that's when i was like what am i doing here in boston right. but you didn't want to go to the pacific northwest but i didn't want to go to the pacific northwest I, I feel like an east coast person at least right now my life is here. My family is here. When um, I moved to Texas, I realized what an East Coast person I was. Yeah. I didn't, you know what the thing is, like other parts of the country, I've like been away from the East Coast for four years now. And the thing that I keep coming back to is that um, you don't, you don't like accidentally hear contemporary dance hall. Yes. And you don't, um, and you can't get a, you can't get patties anywhere. And it's like, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I realized till I was way old how much just like being adjacent to Caribbean and like island culture had impacted me and my tastes and my sensibilities. Um, and it's huge. And it's like the biggest, when me and Becca come back here, like we just eat veggie patties nonstop. We did that yesterday. We're going to do it probably tomorrow. Did you like, go to Hibiscus? No, we went, we went to somewhere in Nyack, New York. That was oh, fucking phenomenal. And there's great. just like. It's just like you can look up, we were like stuck in rush hour traffic and we were like, well, we're going to get to Philly late. Let's just get a snack. And she was like, oh, cool. There's an ITAL place in Nyack right when we get over the Tappan Zee. And it was just like, so good. Um, but yeah, anyway, East Coast person. East Coast person. East yeah. Coast pace. Yeah. You know, East Coast pace. Yeah. For that's real. what I'm used to, too. I'm sort of used to things being a little, a little faster with a little more urgency. It's not that I don't like to chill. It's just... I feel like East Coasters are just on their own pace. And when I went out to the Pacific Northwest, it's like, it's cool being able to see how much my friends have been able to build for themselves out there. I mean, sure. a few of them moved there and then, you know, started a little known band called Gloss that took the nation by storm. And, and that was cool to watch people move and really have that be like a, an enriching experience for them. Yeah. But I was like, I don't have any reason to move out there, but I knew I wanted to move. Mm -hmm. And then I had been traveling with other bands more and every time I had come to Philly, I had such a great time. And then the fact that it was closer to New Jersey and my family, like as I've gotten older and appreciated my family as um, people in my lives and not just like, you are my mom, you are my dad. And mm -hmm. more like you are a person, a complicated person like we all are. And it's been nice getting to know my parents through the lens of my own adulthood, especially yeah. because they've sort of accepted like, oh, it's not a phase, you know, like when I was touring professionally with, you know, bands like Waxhachi or Perfect Pussy, even if they didn't totally understand, I think it like legitimized what I was doing in their eyes. And now, yeah. now there's no more conversations about this or that. Like they understand why I don't find or want nine to five work and, and things like that. So that's nice. It feels nice to get over like 10 years later, they're finally like, oh, it's not a phase. Like, this yeah. is just who you are and this is how your life is and how your generation's lives uh, are largely, you know? Because right. they came from the 80s where it's like, woo, everybody's probably like, the economy's on cocaine and everyone's like, stock market this, whatever that. And everyone's like, getting jobs right out of college, doing whatever. And now it's just not like yeah, that. Yeah, buying a house. Yeah, buying whatever. a house. I'm like, who is she? Yeah, I'd love a house one day. Mm -hmm. um, so you move 
Was Tomboy your only band in Boston? Um, Tomboy was one of them. I actually played in a lot of bands in Boston. Tomboy and Fleabite were the main ones, which is Fleabite still is kind of... from Boston. Fleabite's from Boston originally. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. We started as a three-piece, and Vicky is one of the friends who moved to Olympia. Um, and when she moved, we were sort of like, are we going to do this band anymore or not, Chelsea and I? And then... I met Joe and Jade through Inaco, and they were mm -hmm. like, well, we'll be in your band. And I was like, wow. And and Fleabite sort of evolved into like a, a friendship passion project. Like we're not really playing shows right now, but I don't think that we're like not a band. Right. But I also feel like it's it's been a vessel for friendship, um, for reasons to hang out with Joe and Jade who live in a different city and and now it's been fun even um without the music being there to just make time and space to like enjoy each other's company because yeah. i've done so much touring that sometimes it's like nice to do the the traveling without the like gear loading and yeah all for that. sure i met you because of flea bite i met you the first time we re-met when you were on perfect pussy but i met yes. you the first time because jen shag was like come be in this music video yes and I went and I was in your guys' music video. I remember that now. Um, and I and I had, I don't think, maybe I had seen you at Silent Barn or something and was like, this is cool. But I don't think, I, I think there's like so many cool bands that right. sometimes it takes a minute. But then I really paid, like I gave the record a good listen and I was like, damn, this is cool. <laughs> and also, I, when I met Joe and Mars like 15 years ago, they were in a band called Flea Bag. Yes. And who I loved. And then I was really confused when Joe was in a band called Flea Bite, and I was like, whoa, what happened? This is crazy. I love the world that we live in. Um, but yeah, like Jade was in Pittsburgh on a break from some tour and was taking, we were taking Gus in the woods, and she was just, she was telling me about how she was getting into birding. Mm, yes. And she was like, yeah, and then Flea Bite took me birding as a band. You guys like took her to some state park to go see yeah or something yeah right? so we were gonna go on like a band camping trip like just for fun like last um this past fall and um then chelsea couldn't make it last minute another friend came and yeah we just camped in um i think i've gotten really into state parks here okay. in pennsylvania um there's some great state parks if you have a car and can get out of the city they're not it's on, there's a million not a million there's many within like an hour or two drive and um, something I miss about living in New England is how the green spaces were just sort of everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere is sort of a green space. It's it's designed that way. And here it's a little more like rough and tumble. The city exploded and, you know, it's harder to find that kind of green space the way it was in Boston. So you can rent cabins and state parks and yurts for like pretty cheap relatively yeah. a lot cheaper than airbnbs and stuff so we rented this cabin um it's only like 35 dollars a night and we stayed a couple nights and we went to this hawk mountain to to look at hawks and birds of prey so yeah we birding has become a you know it's not just a trend piece it's it's a fact like punks are birding we're looking at birds now it's just so funny to think about or like for me it was really funny to think about a band taking a trip that was not related to playing a show. And I think like so much of what I love about being in bands myself, which I've been in a lot of bands and been on a, quite a few tours, but nothing any good because I'm bad at making music and I don't actually like making music. Um, like I have no desire to write music. Uh, I need to be in a band with one control freak who wants to tell me exactly what to play on a yes. bass. But um, is like, I like being in a car for hours with my friends. Uh, I like going like, the way you lose yourself on tour, where like it becomes this little internal world that like only you guys are part of and then new people get introduced every day yes, and then leave, you know? And the idea of just doing that as a like social unit without the edifice of show playing and just like doing it just for the sake of it is so wonderful. Like I love that you guys did that. Yeah, yeah, we're actually going on another camping trip um, that was born <laughs> oh, from yeah. that last camping trip. Um, after this weekend, um, we rented a yurt. We had to rent it for a week, though, because it's peak season. But even for the week, it was only split four ways. It only ended up being like 70 bucks a person, which for having access to a yurt for a week is not How's, so bad. Yeah, that's a, that's and a it has cheap like, housing. 
yeah, it has a fridge and all that. It's it's glamping. It's I, it, calling it camping is a disservice. It's we're glamping, but that's it's the great. only kind of camping I want to do. I'm not I'm too much of a city bitch. Like I know I just, I'm like a city bitch, but I just love like I love like starting the fire, but then I'm like, but I want to be in a bed, you know. So that's where yeah. the the glamp comes in. Yeah, I want like a door between me and all the bugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we skipped ahead in time a bunch, though. Yes, so that's, yes. So you moved to Philly. You're so I moved still to doing Philly. Flea Bite. I'm still doing Flea Bite. I was doing Perfect Pussy at the time, too. Perfect Pussy kind of was also part of the move. Um, my bandmate, Garrett, um, who we're also in a new band now called TiVo, um, he was living in Syracuse with his partner at the time, and I was living in Boston and then the rest of Perfect Pussy was in New York and we were sort I was like this is not working and at that point for a lot of us that band was our main source of income yeah that was your job that was my job yeah and that, was that your first paid it was my first like real paid job I've I've played in Potty Mouth that was like the first oh, right. uh, US tour I had ever been on and I think that's the first time I ever like made um, bigger than just like DIY bucks on a yeah. tour and even that was was it wasn't a lot, but it was more than I had ever seen before. So I was like, woo, my first tour where like booking agents were involved. And yeah. then. And that's a situation where like the band already existed and they hired you, right? Right, right. Um, and they like, like the, maybe you didn't play on the record or something, right? Right, and didn't play kinda, on the record. Yeah, went on the tour. That's actually happened for me three times. The first time was with Potty Mouth, and then um, Perfect Pussy, another situation, I, I was brought on to replace someone, and I wasn't on the record. And then the third time was with Waxachi. So, oh, yeah. So I've, one kind of led into the other. But yeah, I, I moved to to Philly. I was, I was doing Perfect Pussy, and I um, was just trying to get settled in Philly, and then... That band ended up breaking up, like as we were writing a record. So then, all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, I don't have a job, but I have lots of food service experience." So that was about four years ago, and I found a job through friends, and I've been at the same job since. It's yeah. Nomad Pizza through different tours, through all of this and that. My coworkers are um, beautiful, amazing, um, inspiring freaks. So it's it's nice yeah. to work alongside people who like get it. Um, and and be able to take time off too um but yeah so i i was doing that and then i was playing in um swanning which is my roommate cynthia's band we did uh -huh. a, a couple of really magical tours together that were you know felt like tour vacations like we flew to the west coast because like we wanted to and we played some shows out there and that was really great and then um played around massachusetts and then um, my friend Katie asked me if I'd want to play with Waxhatchee. Her album came out um, in 2017, so like two years ago at this point. Um, and then I was pretty much doing Waxhatchee stuff for like uh, a better part of two years, year and a half. Um, yeah, that was most of when I saw you. Yeah. was like li living in Pittsburgh and Austin was when you'd come on tour in Waxhatchee. Yes, and that felt like that was the first time I had really, you know, toured with someone who, you know, we had a sound person with us. We had a tour manager with us. Yeah. Like other tours I had done were were more like even if, you know, they we were there's a booking agent, but there wasn't like a tour sound person there like orchestrating it. And then, yeah, that was a really big learning experience. And, and my friend Jade was on that those tours as well doing sound. So it felt even though we... Yeah, like we've toured a lot or traveled a lot together, whether it's been like Flea Bite or for fun or, you know, being a part of a different production together. Right. So, so it was a cool experience for sure. Yeah, that rules. And what what made you want to step aside from, did you, did you step away or was Katie moving to LA kind of like a, we can't practice anymore easily? Well, Katie doesn't live in LA. I think she lives right. in Kansas right now, but I think oh, she, she just kind of, she did like a, you know, out in the storm um, was such like a big band album kind of thing yeah. and, and presentation and performance and production that I think like, you know, often as it does, the pendulum sort of swings in the other direction. And I think after touring with so many people, being responsible for like a big crew, I think she's been leaning towards a more like stripped down kind of sound, yeah, for which sure. I also think really um, works for her. So it, it, even though I was ready to not be on the road so much, it wasn't exactly my choosing, um, mm -hmm. but it's been really great because for the past year I've been um, 
living a more grounded, uh, routine-centric life rather than like playing a show every night, being up late, waking up in a different city. I mean, and that definitely was exciting. I got to see so much stuff that I'm so grateful for, but it's also been um, a really great adventure just being back in town and watching like the seasons change and being able to cook for myself and yeah. plant, work on my like garden and stuff, stuff like that that you really can't do when you're traveling all the time. But luckily while, when I was traveling, I would always be thinking about the things I would want to be doing when I was back home. So when I finally got back home last summer, I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do this stuff. And yeah. like part of that was like seeking out therapy for the first time. And I, yeah. I did like a year's worth of therapy, some in group and some one-on-one. And, and that was really great. And now like a year later after all that experience, I feel, I feel more settled um, here in Philly, which is great. And, yeah. and I feel grateful that I was able to do all of it. And I'm glad I didn't totally lose my mind um, because touring that much can really put your head in some precarious places. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what is it about? I mean, I, had, I could speculate, but what is it about touring constantly that you feel like is like kind of untethers you? So you're around the same people right. um, all the time, for uh-huh. better or worse. So whether you're having like t- tensions or stuff with those people. Yeah, and I, I'm like a sensitive person interpersonally. So yeah, little things, people's moods, you can't control those. But like sometimes that can have a big effect on like the vibe in a car if one person's having a bad day or if you're having a bad day and someone else is having a good day and that just like messes with you and yeah. also just like the lack of um personal space like i really like s- my stuff i i wish i wasn't as I, I don't think of it as materialism i'm like it's my taurus moon um but i i do like being in my own space like a space of my own making and when you're touring that much you're basically resigned to never having that kind of space even when we were we were staying in hotels but you know you're sharing a bed often and right. and stuff like that so it's nice to just have be able to eat when you want to eat like little things like you know when you're touring that much your main priorities are like pooping peeing when can i shower when can i eat and all the basic stuff becomes super complicated did you have practices like did you have stuff that you did to like keep your shit together in the chaos of just like constant travel yes i um so i would sleep a lot um nap a lot which was like because it's an exhausting life um and i'm pretty good at like sleeping anywhere now as a result i sort of like trained myself into being a being narcoleptic um i would yeah just like listen to i would listen to solfeggio frequency music a lot like that kind of like do you know about solfeggio frequencies? Uh-uh. I want to know. Okay. So there are these frequencies that like people have said it's kind of like new agey, but like old, you know, like throat singy kind of correlations. Like people say that there are these certain healing frequencies that occur in like music, Gregorian chants, stuff like that. So people will make music like ambient music around those different frequencies. Like the new Empath album is named after one of those, or one of their um, EPs, Liberating Fear and Guilt, um, is like (laughs) one of the frequencies, is like the liberate, there's a liberating uh, fear and guilt frequency, and then there's like, they they have different names, the frequencies, like, like, I don't know, like cellular healing or stuff like that. So solfeggio, it's like calming, ambient. I would put that on and I'd like cover my eyes with my beanie and I would just like sleep or meditate. Um, And that always helped like finding space within myself to sort of like, that was a more internal kind of thing because touring is such an external experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would also just try and drink a lot of water and you know, after my time touring, I really had to like re-examine my relationship with alcohol, like just because something is yeah. around and free, like doesn't mean it's not costing you in other ways. So that's something I learned and having healthy boundaries around like food or, you know, what you're just what you're putting in your body. You yeah, know? for sure. When you're traveling, you kind of have to like go with the flow, but you also need to like make space to do things that are going to make you feel good. So that's. Yeah. I had like I used to refer to this thing tour immunity or travel immunity where like I would I'd be able to do anything to my body that I couldn't do at home but then as soon as I got home I would get sick same and but I only ever toured or traveled for like maybe two months straight max 
I never toured for two months straight. I, the longest tour I was ever on was four weeks, and the longest I traveled was probably for like, yeah, maybe two or three months. Um, and then I would be home for months at a time. I never really had a lifestyle where I was like back for a couple days, but like ultimately gone for like fucking ever, you know? Yeah. Um, and I imagine that like eventually the tour immunity catches up with you and you might even get sick while you're traveling around tour or whatever. And that's got to be such a fucking drag. Yeah, I have a pretty good immune system. But yeah, when you're like not feeling well on tour, um, it it can really be hard. And I'm one of those people, I think a lot of people are like this. When I have physical ailments, it like affects my mental health too. I start yeah. to feel I'm, um, like ashamed or like it's my fault when it's just a very natural thing to get sick yeah, or have your body sick. run down yeah. but yeah it's hard to not be like oh woe is me um but yeah it's hard it's just hard when you're especially like in europe um like you have to pay to use the bathroom at rest stops like i never thought i'd be like oh god bless a jersey rest stop but i've never been more appreciative after touring oh, in picture. europe and being like oh my gosh i and sometimes we'd be playing places i'm like i don't know what doubloons you use in this country like i i just have to pee <laughs> like please yeah. and that becomes its own you know chaos hi scout hi scout hi scout click click oh hi scout click click give a little lick Do you ever hear that Paris Hilton UB40 sounding song, Stars Are Blind? No. It's really good. Um, it sounds like UB40, so it's like uh, like adult contemporary ska. Nice. Um, you have a visual art practice too, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. Art. And that's been, it's been really nice. Um, I've always been into photography. I, I studied photojournalism in school. Uh, journalism school was, you know, I can say it now, mostly a waste of time. They just, all they taught me was like that the industry is dying, changing, and that it's just backed by advertising. And I was like, oh, so everything is bullshit. So then, yeah. so I was like in a in a technical program, I, I did a lot of radio journalism and learned how to edit video oh, and shit. stuff like that when I was there. Um, but yeah, since I've been touring less, it's really been nice to reconnect with sort of my visual practice. And mm -hmm. I've always liked photography, but I've, um, when I was more involved with music, it's, it's hard to like want to create when you're so, all of your creative energy is being funneled into one place. So now that that isn't the case, it's been nice picking up cameras again, experimenting. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something I really love about being in Philly right now is the way my life is set up, whether it's like the space I live in, the place I work, um, and just the city at large, is there's a lot of room for experimentation. Like I just went to LA and all my friends there were, were just talking about how they live more of a grind lifestyle because you have to, because it's yeah. the kind of city that's more expensive and it's less community centric. But here I feel very lucky to be tied to a, a community and also have time and space to make art for art's sake and to experiment and try new things without being worried about the results or worried about like wasting my time because I feel like I have a lot of time and as long as I'm right. interested in something it's not a waste so yeah yeah for sure yeah it's nice not to monetize all my stuff but it's also been cool I've been making some music videos for people and that's been really Hell fun. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like what? Is there anything I could I could link to in the oh, show yeah. notes? Is there anything you want to brag about? Oh yeah. So um, I made a music video for Empath recently for uh -huh. their song Hanging Out of Cars. That oh, was that the like stop like, animation one? It, there was that was the one with like it had a stop animation intro and then it was like all these lizards in front of Oh these yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. The liz it's real lizards crawling over these fake lands like these like yes. kind of Mystical Flat landscapes. landscapes. Yeah, I made these landscapes out of paper and then I have a friend who basically has a DIY zoo. And as a visual person, I always knew I wanted to do something like with the lizards. So yeah. when Empath was like, will you make us a music video? I think they were expecting me to pitch them something with them in it. And I was like, I've got this idea, raise lizards. And they were like, all right, you know, cool, do what you want. So I made these, um, sets and I you know it's hard directing lizards I, I yeah. learned but it was fun it was fun all the same so the talent was um unwieldy but it was totally fine there was a turtle that we couldn't really get in the video because she kept trying to eat the sets and I'm like that's not a real cactus like but it was fun yeah it's good stuff yeah that video is sick I, <laughs> I saw that I was Thank really you. stoked yeah yeah it was fun to make um I I made a music video for um my punk band TiVo that mm -hmm. features uh, 
our singer dressed up as a clown. Um, the song's for mirrors. Um, it's about sort of getting stuck in the mirror and feeling like a clown. So yeah, fair enough. Um, the TiVo way. And yeah, I'm working on another music video for TiVo and I'm working on a claymation video for um, Radiator Hospital right now, which has been really fun, but also really slow going because I have to fabricate a lot of different clay parts. When I do claymation, it's like you kind of have to know where it's gonna go right. even though it feels like it's all just kind of happening and turning one thing's turning into another but it's like there's a lot of storyboarding and then clay fabrication that i yeah. do before i start actually shooting and animating which to me is like the really fun part making the clay stuff is fun but making the clay stuff come to life is the most fun because when you're animating live like that you're you're sort of seeing it in your head past present future it's fun yeah <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good that's a good endpoint. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to say on a podcast that no one listens to? Um, I would just like to say that if anyone's listening and feels like there's things out there that you'd like to try in your life that you haven't tried doing, I just think that people should be more open to trying things just because, or like learning something just because. I think that nowadays everybody there's this sort of like you know everyone's their own brand and like you only do something or or do like if it's like leading somewhere but i think that you never know where anything's gonna lead so just try new things and be open yeah yeah i think we've swung the, like speaking of pendulum swinging like we've swung the pendulum has swung too far mm -hmm. in terms of like valuing labor and like being compensated for labor yes to this point where no one does anything for joy anymore yes. or like you have to turn your joy into a um, Poshmark store or whatever exactly yeah and it's like like some people don't need to sell so much weed that they could smoke weed like only enough weed to smoke weed for free they just want to smoke weed or whatever right um, and like some people like yeah it's cool if I can like buy like sell books to pay for all the books I buy or whatever but it's also cool just to get a book yeah it's exactly. also cool just to make a thing that I lose money on every month that's free to strangers and my friends, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. I think it is important. Also, you said something really funny at breakfast that um, where, when we were walking out of the restaurant where you were like, uh, you picked up the weekly paper and then I didn't, I didn't see what was on the cover, but you like threw it back under the counter and you were like, ugh, gay pride. Where's the shame? Yeah. Where's the shame? Yeah. Why, why aren't we celebrating shame? I, yeah, I feel like that's also an East Coast thing to say, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of, it's hard every Pride Month. I'm like, of course I, I'm gay and I love gay Pride. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, but, of course. But like you can't have pride for something without shame for something too. You know, I think that those exist. That's just like the ex-Catholic in me talking. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think like everyone's all amped up on gay Pride, but I feel like maybe if we were, a little angrier or sadder or shame maybe that would be a good motivator too like I don't think shame's a positive emotion but you know you got to hold space for the good and the bad yeah I feel like in New York I don't know what it was like in Jersey or Boston or it's what it's like here but in New York there's a real like um, capital P pride is for um, like corporate homonormative whatever yes. people and then the dyke march is like a protest yes and it's like in the spirit of uh sort of the original pride uh like or the you know the stonewall fucking, era yeah the stonewall um uh uprising that everybody that like pride is based on or mm -hmm. around or whatever and like i know everybody says they were at stonewall but my mom's cousin terry says he was at stonewall and i like really want to believe him just because i want to be related to someone that was at stonewall um, but yeah, I don't know. That's good. You're great. Yeah, go, you're great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Cool. I'm gonna press stop. Awesome.
other side Some people just can't get beyond their stupid pride But you can see the real me inside And I'm satisfied Whoa, 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 whoa Even though the gods are crazy Even though the stars are blind If you show me real love, baby, I'll show you mine I can make it nice and naughty Be a devil or an angel too Blah 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 Thank you to Paris Hilton Thea, uh, seriously, thank you to Paris Hilton for um, all of the culture you created in the uh, 2000s and uh, for this song for this song, uh, which I genuinely like um, I'm not ashamed to say it uh, Also, thank you to La Cara Occulta, the band that wrote the theme song. Uh, and uh, shout out to Maddie Ramones, Matt D'Angelo, uh, former member of defunct band La Cara Occulta who wrote the theme song and also current owner of Book Row and uh, Punk Alley in um, Brooklyn, New York, and the, uh, the editor of my favorite newsletter that's not my own. Um, it's called The Alley, and it's the newsletter of The Alley. And it comes out every week. You should go to the bookstore and get one. It's great. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks to Allie, obviously. Allie is so great. I feel like Allie is one of the funniest and most charming people I know. And I feel really lucky that I got to talk to her. And I feel like she really, at the end, when I was like, is there anything you want to say on a podcast no one listens to? And she was like, yeah, try stuff or whatever it was that she said. I feel like she really... She means that. It's not, um, it's not, uh, what's it called? Um, she's not like saying an aphorism, you know what I mean? It's, she's not being uh, fatuous. She, she means that because, like I alluded to in the intro, she's someone who didn't start playing guitar until, um, you know, she was a little older and she is doing it at, or like was doing it at, and could continue to do it at a professional level that like many people aspire to. And I think it's really cool how uh, open she is uh, to life and to just like trying stuff and doing stuff and not being concerned and um, yeah I also think she's super funny and if you ever get a chance to hang out with her and Marissa Paternoster at the same time they really bring out each other's Jersey accents in a way that it's like two Linda Belchers Um, it's really fun bring them to an Urban Outfitters and have them comment on all the stuff I highly recommend that it's a great experience Uh, And yeah, that's it. I think we're running out of time, so uh, I'm going to get out of here. No cops, no creeps. Peace in the pizzeria. Fuck ice-free Palestine. Uh, Yeah, over to the government, all that stuff. Um, That's it. I'm out. Bye.